This is the Italian Real Estate Podcast, here to help you with the ins and outs and basics of Italian real estate presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. Hello and welcome to the Italian Real Estate Podcast presented by ItalianRealEstateLawyers.com. I am here with Italian attorney Marco Permunian and I am Rafael Di Furia. Hey there, Marco. How are you doing? Hey, Rafael. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good, doing well. Thanks for joining us again. And today, we wanted to follow up with what we spoke about previously, about the basics of what you need for uh, purchasing property here in Italy. But today, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the steps of the process itself. Of course, there can be some overlap with what we've spoken about before. But Marco, what would you say would be the first part of the process when it comes to searching for real estate and purchasing real estate here in Italy? The very first step of the process would be having a professional that can help you locate a property. And of course, this is something that we can help you with at italianrealestatelawyers.com. Once you have identified a property that you like, you have to get ready for the submission of an offer. Before you're able to present an offer to the seller, you need to get yourself an Italian tax code, which in Italian is a codice fiscale. And how is it that you go about getting the codice fiscale, the Italian fiscal code? So the Italian codice fiscale can be obtained by anybody regardless of their citizenship and even by people who don't reside in Italy or have never resided in Italy. So you can get a codice fiscale through an Italian consulate abroad or for people who are willing to travel to Italy to get the tax code, it can be obtained through any Italian Agenzia dell'Entrate office, which is the Italian Revenue Office. The Italian tax code is quite easy to get. All you need to apply for it is a copy of your passport. So just make sure you have a valid passport. That's all you need. And moving on, what would be the next part of the process to actually be able to purchase property here in Italy? So the next thing that you need is an Italian bank account because that will allow you to submit an offer to the seller. Um, Last time you mentioned that it was somewhat optional, but it's better to have. What would be the other way of sending the money to the uh, the owner of the property? Exactly. Having an Italian bank account is absolutely not necessary to purchase properties in Italy, but it's highly advisable to have an Italian bank account. So if you don't have an Italian bank account, especially at this stage, you can also pay the seller through a wire transfer, even an international wire transfer. So right now we're talking about paying a deposit to the seller because we are at the at a very early stage of the process. And so moving on to the next part of the process, what would you need to do? I, I assume it would be actually submitting the offer for the property. Exactly. The next step would be submitting your offer through normally through a real estate agent, but not necessarily to the seller. And once the seller accepts your offer, you can enter into a preliminary agreement. After you enter into the preliminary agreement, you then have the time to do some due diligence 
directly or through a professional people normally check that the, the the seller is actually the seller that the property doesn't have any limitations so it's free of liens for example so that the property is actually purchasable under under Italian law and once you have done your due diligence you are ready to sign the final contract of sale which under Italian law must be executed before an Italian public notary so the Italian public notary is a key figure in the Italian legal system which who must be present at the end of the purchase proper process you actually have to have a meeting in person with a notary and the seller does the buyer actually have to be there physically in person themselves or is it possible to elect someone such as yourself to be there on their behalf both parties so both the seller and the buyer can actually give power of attorney to somebody else to attend the meeting with the notary on their behalf so it's not strictly necessary for those people to attend the meeting with a notary if they gave power of attorney to another person Mm. And also just going back one step, you mentioned about the due diligence, uh, doing that after the preliminary agreement has been made. Um, is it possible to do any type of other due diligence before that part? Or is it very uncommon for a person to even get into that uh, before that stage? It's not uncommon. You can do due diligence whenever you like. Normally, people do the due diligence after they've entered into a preliminary agreement and after they've paid a deposit because in the case that the due diligence is um, like doesn't lead to the results that the person was hoping for so in the case there are limitations for example to the ownership rights in that case the seller is obligated to give back the double of the amount received so it's actually beneficial for the buyer to do the due diligence after they have entered into a preliminary agreement because even if the due diligence is not successful there are problems if those problems were known to the seller then the seller has to give back the double of the amount received and by the way if the buyer is no longer interested in going forward with the process the seller is entitled to retain the deposit that was paid by the buyer. Very interesting. Um, so what is there a normal set percentage or an amount that would be sent as part of this um, deposit when you're making the initial uh, agreements? The common practice is to just pay a 20, 15% to 20% deposit calculated on the total um, asking price. And you also were mentioning about the final contract having to be done in person, either uh, through someone with power of attorney or with the buyer themselves. What about the preliminary contract? Is that something that also has to be done in person? The preliminary contract doesn't have to be signed in front of an Italian public notary. So that allows the parties to exchange the preliminary contract even through the mail. So they don't strictly have to be both physically present at the same time and in executing the the preliminary contract. Mm, I see. Interesting. 
Well, you know, I think we've covered a lot of ground uh, in this little bite-sized podcast, this Italian real estate podcast, because the intention for these, of course, is to try and be there for those people who are interested in having something, a, a reference that they can listen to while they're on their coffee break, lunch break, or on their drive to or from work. And so... Thank you again, Marco, so much for making yourself available to answer these questions and go over more of the process about purchasing property here in Italy. And for those of you who may be interested in the services of Marco and his team, you can go to italianrealestatelawyers.com. And if you are also interested in the process of Italian citizenship by descent through marriage and so on, you can go and listen to our other podcast, Italian Citi- the Italian Citizenship Podcast. And so, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Thank you.